Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Of my 100 plus episodes of Business Done Differently, I'm not sure if anyone's story of success, significance, and standing out can compare with today's guest. His story has been featured on the Biography Channel and CNBC. He's a best-selling author of two dozen books in the International Speaker Hall of Fame and serves on the board of Fortune 500 companies. And now, as the president of High Point University, he has helped resurrect the school with his vision and ability to create wow moments for students and teachers. Dr. Nito Cobain has been an inspiration for me for years, and I'm absolutely honored and thrilled to have him with me today. Dr. Cobain, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jesse. I'm glad to be with you. Yes, I'm so glad we connected. I wrote a letter a few years ago, and I know Mark Sandberg connected us. And, you know, I want to open with something that was personal to me that hit home with you and what we've been able to do here with the bananas. You said in an interview, you can't make incremental change and transform a culture. I had to create wow changes fast and continually. I'm fascinated by that. So I'd love to know when you came into High Point, take me back. What were some of those things that you did to create wow right away? Well, number one, in an ever-changing, ever-competitive marketplace, you really cannot make incremental changes. I mean, you do make incremental changes, but you cannot focus on that as a strategy because the marketplace is too impatient, is too demanding, and because your competitors, whoever they may be in whatever sector you're in, are moving forward and fast and vertically and horizontally. And if you are not going at it completely, then you are going to miss out on lots of opportunities. So when I came to Hype University, of course, it's an institution that's been here since 1924. It was a fine institution of higher learning. I went to school here as an undergrad. And um, I knew right away that the most important question in any business, it doesn't matter what you do, the most important question always is, why should someone do business with me? Why should someone do business with us? I don't care if it's attendance at a baseball game or at a seminar or it is enrolling in a university. The question is the same. Why should someone do business with us? In other words, given choices. You know, the New York Times suggests that the average American gets something like 5,000 invitations to buy per week. Wow. So just imagine that. Wow. You can't go anywhere. You can't read a newspaper. You can't go to an airport. You can't watch television without seeing a ton of invitations to buy something. So the marketplace has become skeptical. The marketplace has become inundated. And the question is, how do you exit an ocean of sameness and enter a little pool of distinction? Second most important question is, how easily for somebody else to imitate what I do? So, you know, why should someone do business with me? But of equal importance is how easily can someone else imitate what we do? Because the easier it is for someone else to imitate what you do, the less valuable by definition you have now just become. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to focus on value, 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 but more importantly, to focus on relevance, relevance, relevance. You know, why should someone exchange the resources, time, energy, money for something that I offer? There has to be something in it for them. It has to be valuable. Value is always determined by relevance. So what is valuable to you, the seller of an idea, the seller of a product, the seller of a service may or may not be relevant to me mm -hmm. at this point in my life. So when I came to Hype University, I recognized very quickly that 
you have an audience and you have a market. So the audience is your student. The market is the parent who, you know, more often than not is going to pay the bills for the student. <laughs> and so I asked a simple question. Why would someone come to Hypo University given that there are some 6,000 colleges and universities in America? And we began to define what that is. And we realized that first impressions are lasting impressions. So young people especially who have grown up with technology, who have been, who have been covered under with their iPad, their iPhone, and all else, that they're going to make a decision in the first 30 seconds being on this campus whether they like it or not. We all do that. The restaurant and make a decision. <laughs> you, look at a, you look at a plate of food and you make a decision. But I realized that the physical plant is very important. In other words, what I experienced visually is very important. And so obviously I went about to make the place look beautiful, right? So landscaping, flags everywhere, classical music down up the promenade, quotations in the ground, benches, fountains. Understanding this is an institution of higher learning, so I wasn't suggesting that this is going to make it a great university. I was simply suggesting that you, when you receive a gift, you look at the wrapping of the gift, right? Yes. And if the wrapping is appealing, you're more excited about looking what's inside the gift. So that's number one. Of course, number two was to craft messaging that is compelling to the recipient. Mm-hmm. In other words, in your business, any business, people like to know that you're going to save them money, mm-hmm. you're going to help them, you're going to give them a great service. Well, what is it for university? Well, for us, it was about premier life skills, that, that you can go to university and get a degree mm-hmm. and not know the first thing about starting a business, not know the first thing about being a truly valuable contributor to an institution, mm-hmm. a company, an organization, whatever. So I said, what we need to do is take the academic offerings of a university, which is the heart of the knowledge base, mm-hmm. but knowledge does not equal understanding. Mm-hmm. You can have all the knowledge in the world, and have zero comprehension about the application of that knowledge in your life. So how do we create understanding out of this knowledge that we're offering on a daily basis? And the answer was premier life skills. If I can arm you with the knowledge in your sector, whether you're an engineer or whether you're a physical therapist, whatever you might be, and then also teach you about life. (laughs) How do you communicate? How do you sell your idea? How do you solve a problem? How do you not give up in the face of adversity? How do you lead? How do you make the world a better place? And so as we refined that concept, Jesse, the world paid attention. And right away they knew that Hype University is differentiated. And given, of course, my own background, sort of an unusual college president, (laughs) I've done it. I've built businesses. I've been around the world. I've spoken to everybody. I've seen it. I've seen a lot in my lifetime. Um, It was, therefore, an authentic message. Mm -hmm. I came with some gravitas. And here it is. I speak the real language. It's real life. It's not pie in the sky. <laughs> and so people believed it. And then they began to experience it. And the rest is history. I love it. You looked at the friction points, too. You looked at it, evaluating what a school is. How do you make it better? Our president here with the Savannah Bananas, his wife, went to High Point, And she said it was an amazing experience. And she vividly remembers going around on Halloween And on Valentine's Day, you with the big Hershey bars passing them out and wanted to connect. And that was such a little touch point. That is a wow point. 
And I pride myself as the owner of the team here to go around with the fans and taking selfies and giving out gifts. And it's such a little thing. But I'd love to go back to some of those wow moments. We actually call them, uh, Dr. Cobain here, you wouldn't believe moments. Because mm. we want our fans to say, you wouldn't believe what happened at the ballpark today. We yes. believe that's the next level. Share me, I mean, I've heard about the valet parking, the ice cream trucks, the steakhouses, but tell me about some of those that first started that maybe you don't do anymore, but they got people talking. Yeah. Well, it's very important that I make the distinction between an idea that has purpose and an idea that is just casual, mm -hmm. right? So, for example, I do on Halloween and Valentine's Day go around campus, spend three or four hours, give out several thousand big chocolate bars. I do it not because of the chocolate. Any one of those students can afford to go to a, you know, a 7-Eleven and buy a, a dollar or two chocolate bar. I do it because it is unusual for the president to walk around and give the chocolate bar. So therefore, what happens is the byproduct is every student wants to take a picture with me, right? <laughs> and so they put these pictures everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, etc. But it's what they say, yes, but it's how they feel. So in all of communication, we say the most important question is how must this person feel first? So this person will do business with you again and again. Right? They come to the ballpark. If I feel like I've had fun, it was enjoyable, I saw my friends, I brought my family, I ate, I, all of that is great, then I want to do it again because it's a good feeling. So everything we do here has purpose. Let's take, you mentioned the parking. We don't do that anymore, but we did it because when I first came here, we start completely revamping the campus. Now, remember the campus was 92 acres. Today, it's 500. We had a total of 1,400 students in all. Today, we have 5,400 students. We had 100 faculty members. Today, we have almost 400. We have three academic schools. Today, we have nine. So the university is completely different than it was a dozen years ago. And I know it's not lost on you or your listeners that we did all this between 05 and basically now, and between 08 and 2012 or so, what we had is the Great Recession, the most disrupted economic time in the last nine years of America's history. We, in spite of that, kept moving onwards and onwards. So because we were building so much in the center of campus, as we were buying land and so on, we disrupted the life of the students who were enrolled at the time and who do not necessarily, did not necessarily immediately acknowledge this value in what we were doing for them because they're going to graduate in a year or two. And those buildings won't be finished for a year or two. So the cars were dusty. The noise was everywhere. And I decided that at the very minimum, we owe people respect. And part of the respect is we wash their cars for them. So I got clubs on campus who want to make money, raise money to wash cars for them. Because we were building in the middle of campus, we took away the parking. So the parking now was far away. So I started imagining, I have four children myself, so I started imagining a young lady coming back from work or from somewhere at 11 o'clock at night or midnight. And she has to walk across this campus to go to her dorm. And I said, that's not cool. So why don't we have her drive to her dorm and then park her car for her? Those are the kinds of things. I would come here, Jesse, at... 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, and walk like a student. I would walk from the parking to a place, and I would say, do I feel safe? Is the place lit up? Today, Hyper University is completely you know, lit up. Every square foot is safe and so on. So it all comes back to that very primary point. How must your customer feel first? Mm -hmm. So they will do business with you. 
Because if they don't feel good about it, A, they won't do business with you, and B, they won't tell their friends about you. So you lose them both, both pieces. Sustainability becomes impossible. And you have to put yourself in their shoes. What you were doing about walking at night, we actually do at our ballpark. We do undercover fan. Every single night, someone on our staff goes undercover as a fan. We park with the cars, we sit with the fans, we walk, and we write down notes every time. You have to do that. And I think you made a great point there. You said how you eliminated, like, do you feel safe? You've talked about you got to eliminate the unwow first to go to the wow. And so, you know, how have you seen either at high point or businesses that you can find the unwow and turn it to wow? Yeah, you know, when I speak, as you know, I'm speaking 7,500 times over the years. As I speak to CEOs, especially audiences of CEOs, I ask them to take a, a pencil and write down a piece of paper in front of them. The three most important wows that people experience when they do business with them. And people will write down all kinds of stuff, you know, wonderful people, great products, great location, whatever. And then I ask him to take 30 seconds to write down three unwows. And they struggle with that. It takes them longer to write that. There's a point there. And the point is, focus is more important than intelligence. So if you, you could be brilliant, you could have a perfect IQ. But if you're not focused on the elements that contribute measurably and directly to the experience of your customer, you're a fool, mm. right? Because you, you're not going to survive and thrive. And so um, what I did is I said, there are four things we must follow. It's true of any business. Number one, we must create value, right? No value, forget about it. Number two, we must interpret the value, right? That's a completely different point. You can provide tremendous value. For example, you go to a steakhouse and you see a steak for $50 and you go, whoa, that's an expensive steak. But if the server comes in and explains to you what this beef is, where it grew, how they bought it, how is the finest this or that, you begin to acknowledge this is different. This is more relevant. This is more valuable. Uh, and so, or, or a glass of wine. You know, what's the difference between a $200 bottle of wine and a $20 bottle of wine? Yeah. Someone can explain that to you and interpret it in a way that you can find usefulness in it. Then you're more likely to believe it. So number one, create value. Number two, interpret the value. Number three, remove all the irritants. Whatever the irritants are, get them out of the system. You know, if, if I come to your ballpark and buy a beer and the beer is in a cup that smashes away or <laughs> you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold up right or whatever, or if I come to put it in the, in the little cup holder in front of me, it doesn't fit, yeah. um, I'm irritated, right? I'm irritated. And so we have to remove those irritants. In our case, for example, we, we change from the normal school thing, which is build students for everything. And so you're sending parents bills all the time. So I change all that to one price. You pay it once in the fall, once in the spring, and everything is included. Therefore, you're not bothered every time. You know, every communication for me is, is upsetting you all of a sudden. <laughs> and, and you know what? People are willing to pay more and feel better. And then the last one is add wow to the experience. Not just create wow. Creating wow is, a, is the minimum requirement, but add wow to the experience. So it's exactly what you just said. Just walking around, seeing what's going on, and add wow. Improve, increase, enhance. <laughs> I love this so much because the all-inclusive, so that for you guys, it includes all the food, the room, the board, everything. Same. And it includes, includes transportation to the airport. It includes all of that. I love that because we did the same thing. We're the first ballpark four years ago. We made every ticket all-inclusive. Include all your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwich, your soda, your water, your popcorn, your dessert, everything. 
And we said, and all your entertainment, which that's our specialty, because people don't like it nickel and dimed. So that's an irritant. So why are companies still sending bills and invoices and lawyers charging by the hour? No one likes that. And again, you remove that. And I love it. I guess I'm a parallel thinker. And a lot of the listeners are, you take something from one industry and you move it to your own. Can you give some other examples of just some of these wow things that you guys have done that is different? Because you, you know, always talk about you know, extraordinary means not ordinary. It means being distinctive and differentiated. You don't have to be better, but you have to be different. I would love just to know a few more of these examples because they are fascinating to me. Yeah, well, Jesse, I mean, we are a university, right? So our number one business is education. Yes. And we've done a lot of wows on the educational side. For example, we added success coaches. So we've assigned every single freshman coming to our institution. They enroll, let's say, in August. You know, they come in August, but say in January, February, they commit to come to school. We assign them right away to a success coach who calls them, writes them, helps them register for classes, helps them get settled in their dorm, all of that. Uh, you'll be shocked. I mean, this is expensive to do. In the short term, it is very smart in the long term because you get the payback on retention, right? Students like it, they stay with you, et cetera. We have done an enormous amount with technology. So these are all wow. So for example, if you go to our Ronick School of Natural Sciences, you will see one of the most beautiful planetariums that you've ever seen. It's not the largest, but it seats about 120 people, but it has the latest in software and technology. So we can use the planetarium not just to look at the stars, but we can take an anatomy course and 360 around you, you're watching going into your stomach or going into your brain. So, so we call it interdisciplinary wow. We've been able to take almost any subject and use technology to enhance it, make it more appealing, and therefore for young people, much more congruent to the world they're very familiar with. We use, of course, all kinds of technology on your iPhone. They're all wows, everything from registering to accessing. For example, we have 14 restaurants on campus. <laughs> Here's a while for you. The language you use makes a big difference with the impression you leave. So, for example, most universities call it, uh, call it food service. We call it hospitality. Most universities would call landscaping and maintenance and so on. They'd call it landscaping and maintenance and electrical and cleaning and so on. We call it campus enhancement. Most places call them people employees. We call them ambassadors. So the language enhances the way you think and the way you, therefore, dialogue with people. And if you feel more important, you're going to act more important. You're going to be more hospitable to our guests. So we have 14 restaurants on campus. We don't call them, you know, cafeteria and all that. We call them restaurants. Now, these restaurants, you can go sit down and eat. And uh, in one of, the main, one of the main restaurants, we have music every day from 11 till 2. Live music, professional musicians. At face value, you say, well, what is that all about? Well, let me tell you. Number one, music is always beautiful in any form. But number two, we did studies. People were coming in, students, getting their food, gobbling down in 10, 11 minutes, and leaving. And I said, wait a minute. The whole concept of a residential university is that you fellowship with people, that you build relationships, that you communicate, that you create peer groups. And so I said, we got to figure this thing out. And we did. So we put all these different stations, different places. We made food unlimited. So you can come in, you can eat all you want. If you want to take 10 cookies with you, you can take it. You can refill a drink, take it. And 
And then we said, the music is, in, is to create the atmosphere. So guess what happens now? The average student sits there about 40 minutes. So they're engaging in conversation. They're, they're talking about things, and they're owning this as their university and their campus. Does it cost money? Yes, it costs money. But, you know, you've got you to spend some money to make some money, right? And so that's a tiny little thing. We have a steakhouse on campus. Again, the casual observer never understands what you're trying to do. The casual observer thinks, oh, they got a steakhouse. They're really pampering the students. We say, we're not pampering our students. We are preparing our students. So here's an example. Steakhouse is not about steak. Steakhouse is about etiquette, learning etiquette, what fork to, to hold, how to hold. It is about international understanding. So every month we change the menu to fit a certain part of the world. New Australia, it could be South Africa, it could be Russia, China, whatever. And with that comes interpretation. So the menu would have information, pieces of information about that country. Maybe we might have music that fit that country or someone to come lecture about that country. And parents love it because in most jobs, when you graduate from college and you go to, to a job somewhere, guess what they do when they interview you? They take you to a restaurant. They take you for a meal. They watch how you engage in conversation. They watch how you eat, how you hold a plate. You know, I tell people when you go for an interview, and they take you to, let's say, a buffet. Don't load up your plate because <laughs> you're sending the wrong message. The message is, I'm here to eat. I'm not here to talk with you, the employer. You want to eat something simple and focus on the purpose of the moment. And afterwards, go eat all you want to eat. <laughs> so, so these are lessons. You, know, you can't bring your iPhone in the restaurant. So for an hour and a half in the restaurant, you cannot use an iPhone. And all of our servers, of course, are instructors about protocol etiquette and and, you know, global matters. That's a wow. Now, that wow costs money, but people end up giving us a lot of money because they love what we're doing with their kids, right? So, so these, I want to really emphasize this point that wows for the sake of wows are too expensive and do not ignore, you know, the results you want. And remember, results rule. Effort is nice, but results rule. So if you know what outcomes you want, and you can measure metrics accordingly, then everything you're doing is by design, not by default, on purpose, not by accident. And your whole purpose of your wows is for them to have an extraordinary education in an inspiring environment with caring people. You know, you know our promise very, very well. That's it. <laughs> so why did I come up with that statement? Because I have 2,000 employees. When I came here, we had 385 employees. How do you create culture in an organization? and create culture that is consistent and congruent, consistent over time, congruent with your values and principles. And the answer is, you can't write two pages about what your purpose is, your mission is, your values are. Nobody's gonna remember that. So I said, how can I explain it simply, and how can I make sure they remember it? So I came up with those three categories. Extraordinary education, that's our cornerstone benefit, right? You come here to get an extraordinary education. Not training, but education holistic education. And then, of course, under external education, you know, we have 15, 20, you know, byproducts, semi-points. Inspiring environment explains to you why our campus looks the way it does. Our campus is gorgeous. It is truly inspiring. Wherever you go, you see art, you see fountains, you see smiling people. And then, of course, with caring people. So instead of lecturing our people, be nice to our guests, be nice to students, listen to each other, open the door for the person behind you, all of that stuff. 
If you're a caring person, guess what? You will do this naturally and you feel better about it because nobody's telling you how to behave. Rather, what we're doing is we're creating this notion that I am a caring person mm -hmm. and I, I do care about my brothers and sisters and therefore I will do this naturally. Something I'm very curious about and you've grown so much and you know what you've done, it's unbelievable what High Point is, where it is from where it was before. You talk about relevance, you talk about excellence, you talk about um, sometimes being a paranoid optimist. Yes. It keeps me up at night thinking, how do we stay relevant? What are these new things we're doing? What do you do from a leader and a team standpoint to continue to come up with ideas to do new things to be relevant? Yes. So I think there are three, four steps to that. Number one is you have to have clarity on who you are, right? You have to have clarity on who you are. In other words, what are your values? What are your principles? What are your guiding um, tenets for your organization? And number two, you gotta know your why. Why you're doing what you're doing because if you're just doing it to make money, that's short term. If you're doing it to truly create an inspiring experience for all those people who come to your baseball park, you're gonna grow. And by the way, you're gonna make money. It's, it's a byproduct of what you're doing. So those are important points. The third one is you gotta be a lifelong learner, right? You cannot ever say, I got this. I know what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I know the answer. That is the surest way to fail. Here's what I do, Jesse. I wake up every morning between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. I go to sleep by 9 o'clock. But I wake up between 3 and 4. And I make some coffee. And then I've got a stack of reading materials. And I go through some paper reading. And I go online. I read four or five trade journals in the morning. You know, five minutes each with the articles I want to read. Plus all the reports I have with me. I make a distinction between action time or active time and passive time. Active time is only time that you invest with another individual that propels your business forward. That's active time. A salesperson defines active time as the time he or she is in front of a customer, filling out the forms and filling out the reports and driving to a place and preparing for the sales call and assembling samples. That's passive. That's not bringing you an order. So I don't do anything in the office except active stuff. And then any reading stuff, I'm going to read early in the morning. Yes. Every single morning, I'm going to study for at least two hours. Yes. All the time, I've got stuff coming my way. If I'm sitting in a meeting, I'm listening to what the meeting is, but I'm also making notes, to-do lists, all the time. And, or if I hear a term that I like, for example, or whatever, I'm going to write it down because I can use that somewhere. Or that will inspire me to think of something else. Yes. If some of my team members come to me with an idea, how about we should do this? We should buy that. We should expand in this way. I'm a student of Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker always said, what business are we in and who is our customer? That's how we make decisions. So if you come to me and say, hey, how about buy a shopping center? I go, we're not in that business. <laughs> shopping center is across the street from us. In which case, we need the land and we, you know, we might do something else with the shopping center. So that's been very important to me in my life. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the other really, really important point is, you know, you call it a, a paranoid optimist. One of the greatest mishaps, I think, that entrepreneurs commit, or business people commit, is that they're not risk managers. Mm -hmm. So either they take risks irresponsibly, 
you don't do your homework, you don't have all the facts, you haven't counseled with people you trust, or they just don't take the risk at all. Oh, I might fail, this might cost too much, this might not work, <laughs> so they disappear. No good, right? So I'm going to give you the formula that I use in my life. It's a very valuable formula. This is going to make it worth for anybody listening to us. This one little thing is going to make this time worthwhile for them. Any decision I make of any consequence, I ask these questions. What is the best thing that can happen as a result of taking this action? What's the best thing? That's easy. What is the most likely thing to happen? Because life is mostly lived in the most likely zone, right? It's not one end or the other. It's not all or none. What is the most likely thing to happen? And then the most important question of all, what is the worst thing to happen? And here's how I make my decision. If the most likely thing to happen gets me closer to my goals, <laughs> because if it doesn't, why am I doing that, right? So that, that's why we have to know what goals we want, what outcomes. And if I'm willing to deal with the worst thing that can happen, I go for it. I'm not willing to deal with the worst thing that can happen, either emotionally or financially or reputationally. I run faster than someone that trapped me. I love it. That saved me so much in life. Me from getting into emotional decisions, quick decisions, uninformed decisions, or just falling for someone's great sales pitch that just in the end didn't happen. I love it. So you run that, you run your ideas through that formula. But in, but in regards to a team, you know, I get asked this when I'm speaking, I get asked this question always, you know, how do you guys come up with your ideas? And we've been working on this and we do what we call idea paloozas. Every single month we bring the whole staff together. They each bring three ideas on a theme and it's helped a lot. But I'd love to know, you guys are constantly thinking how to create wow, how to create these moments of extraordinary education. How are you getting your team to bring these ideas and come together with, hey, this is gonna keep us relevant and moving forward in the years to come. Well, anytime you have a team, I have like 22 people on my team, right? These are the levers mm -hmm. of my organization. These are vice presidents and deans. You will find that not every one of them is an idea person. Mm -hmm. Some are just managers. You know, some are innovative idea people. And some are just financially in it. So we do it several ways. Number one, we obviously have an annual strategic planning, three days. We go off-site, we sit down, no idea is a bad idea, you can't judge anybody's point, and we just talk about, within parameters, we talk about where we are, where we want to go, and how we're going to get there. Throughout the year, obviously, we have meetings in which we talk about different things. But every single day, every single day, I encourage everyone to read, to study, and to question. Is this idea working? Can we do better? Now, how do you know if you can do better? You ask people. So I walk around across campus and I'll say to students, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And what do you like most about high point? And what do you like least about high point? Uh, how can we make your life better? Give me an idea that would make our campus fabulous, et cetera, et cetera. And you do it with faculty. Faculty are your most learned people. So if faculty are empowered to be innovative and creative, it's amazing what they come up with. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't do it all because it costs a lot of money and you know, so on, but, but it completely expands your horizons of thought and of analytics. And so I think the most important thing about ideas is to encourage people, to reward people. Even when someone has an idea, applies it, and it fails, that person should be rewarded for taking the step in the first place, mm -hmm. to learn from. So I make a distinction, Jesse, between productive failures 
and unproductive successes. So productive failure, you fail at something, you analyze it, you learn from it, you correct it next time. Unproductive success, you succeed. You have no idea what worked. You just have no idea. You have no idea what is it that caused that success. Therefore, you can't replicate it. Now it's guesswork, right? And the reason I like the notion that I'm not an optimist and I'm not a pessimist, but I am a paranoid optimist. In other words, I'm constantly, while I'm moving forward, I keep my eye on the sidelines saying, what arrow could come here and hit me from the side I haven't thought about? Mm-hmm. What are those things, external or internal? And how are we mitigating that risk? So that we can mitigate all of it, but how do we mitigate in a way that doesn't you know, spell major failure? I love it. I love also celebrate the ones, even if they fail, they're implementing ideas. You know, I say ideas are currency, but it's implementation that will make you rich and taking action on the ideas is what we look for. I love that. All right. I want to finish with some kind of rapid fire games. Have some little fun here if you're ready for it. All right. Deets about the tweet. You did Q-tips for a long time on Twitter with these great quotes. And one, you said, the more you celebrate your life, the more there is in life to celebrate. I want to know about some ways you celebrate at High Point, whether it's your faculty, whether it's your students. What are some cool, unique celebrations you do? Because yeah. celebrations every well, One of them is that we have staff meeting every month. Everybody comes into the big theater, have staff meeting. It's intended to keep you informed about what's going on. So I'll give you some ideas about what, where we're headed, answer any questions you have, et cetera. And at that meeting, we always have an acknowledgement session. Anybody, that could be 800 people in the room, anybody can stand up and say, I want to acknowledge uh, Jesse Cole because I had this problem last month and Jesse stepped in and Jesse helped me in this way. I want to tell you about a parent who called and said, my daughter was sick and Susan Smith over here went out of her way to take some soup to her room and blah, blah, blah. And everybody acknowledges, applauds, and I give them a gift. And the gift is a big High Point University blanket because it's symbolic that the blanket covers you up, warms you up, engulfs you. So when you do something good, that's what you're doing. You're reaching out and touching someone in a very loving, kind way. So that's one, one way. Another way we celebrate is that every single day if it's your birthday, you're going to get an email from me. You want to say, happy birthday, Jesse. Now, if God forbid you lose someone you love in your family or you're sick or whatever, I'm going to call you. I'm going to send you love. I might send you flowers, etc. If you're a student at High Point, it's your birthday. Someone brings a card from me to your room with a balloon and a Starbucks gift card. And the idea is to say, happy birthday. I'm thinking of you today, right? These are simple things that we do, but we celebrate a lot. If you go across campus, there are certain places with big signs that say all kinds of motivational things. You can take a picture with it, and we'll put an Instagram and all that. Look, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't take a big idea to create moments of celebration. Serendipities are everywhere in the horizon. You must reach out and grab it and make it a part of your being. At the end of the day, it's not what you do that matters. It's how you be that matters. So you've got two kinds of people. You have some people who live their life by to-do lists. i got to do this. i got to call this. i got to make this. I gotta... But really, we need a to-do list for the transactional. But the transformational resides in a different zone. It's called the to-be list. Very few people you'll ever meet have a to-be list. I want to be more financially independent. I want to be more patient. I want to be a better listener. I want to be kinder to people, right? One of my good friends is a guy called Daniel Lubitsky. You may not know the name, but you know the product. He's the one who invented the kind bars. 
And I said, Daniel, why did you do that? He said, I just wanted people to be kinder to each other, you know, to be more civil. Wow. Little did he know that it would become a $2 billion business, you know, and goes all over the world. So you got to celebrate life. But, but look, Jesse, authenticity above charisma any day of the week. We must be authentic. You know when you're talking to somebody who's authentic. And you know when somebody is just putting you on. And so does everyone else. We have an innate ability to, to feel that and sense that. So it has to be authentic. And the only way it can be authentic is for you to live it. So if you're a happy, smiling, enthusiastic, high-energy person, people around you are going to be touched by that without you taking a, a proactive step to do that. It just, I just want to be in your midst. I feel it. It just sort of creates this atmosphere that is delightful and special. I love it. Every day we try to create fun. And I think it's who you want to be. I love that. And I got a one more Q-tip. The person who can laugh often and who finds humor in even the most stressful events can keep going when others are failing, falling by the wayside. Learn to look for the humor in every situation. You'll live longer and have a lot more fun. I'm all about fun. And I think I love if there's something that has made you laugh, some funny little thing that's happened at high point uh, that you maybe talk about, you celebrate because, you know, there's a lot to be having fun with, with what you're doing at high point. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you something. You know, good habits are hard to develop, but they're easy to live with. Bad habits are easy to develop, but they're hard to live with. So a humor, sense of humor, um, not just being funny, but being in fun, right? Acknowledging fun and humor for what it is. So here's a habit I develop. About three or four times a week, when I have 20, 30 minutes in the morning or in the evening, I literally go online and find funny stuff. I'll watch a comedian or I'll watch, you know, stupid little, uh, you know, those people who, you know, real life stuff, they walk around and they ask people stuff or they, you know, they do it on college campuses and I forgot what they call them. But I, I'll watch 20, 20, 30 minutes of that and laugh my head off <laughs> because the, you have to create for yourself that moment. So I, I call it take a recess to reassess. Mm. So you had a stressful day. Okay, but stop and reassess. Your health is good. Your family loves you. You got money to live on. Come on, shake it off. And one of the best ways to do is, is to be funny. The students are known for, you know, funny stuff. They'll, they'll do things. I, for example, one time I, uh, you know, I went home at night. I came back the next morning. I found that students stayed all night long in my parking spot drawing with chalk the most beautiful big you know sketch the size of a car telling me that they love me and why they love me you know for literally for a week jesse i would not park my car there you say why don't you park this it's too beautiful for me to park on it right until the rain came one day and sort of destroyed so i i think i think you have to walk around smile laugh and model that behavior and if someone says something funny, celebrate the moment for them and laugh right along with them. Don't laugh at them, but laugh with them. Oh, I love that. Our mutual friend, Mark Sanborn, when he came to a game this past summer, he said, Jesse, it's so simple to watch. When you give fun, you have fun. That's a great statement. And it's so important. And I think when you're given fun, and I've heard again, like from our president's wife, and I met a few High Point students at a speaking visit. I was in Vegas. They said they have so much fun at your university. What's a better brand ambassador? than someone that's having fun doing something that's helping themselves. Yeah, and the word fun 
most people misinterpret the word fun. They think of it as frivolous yes. or devoid of meaning or purpose. That's not true, right? You can have fun with your child. You know, you can have fun on a bicycle. You can have fun skiing somewhere. You can have fun watching a movie, eating popcorn. You know, fun comes in all shapes and sizes based on who's, who's enjoying the moment. So my life is filled with fun. And my life is filled with serious moments. And maturity is defined as the person who knows which is which and who allows energy and time for each inappropriate waiting and appropriate sums. I love it. I want to leave it with this. If you could give advice to someone to be different and stand out, maybe have more fun, maybe create wow, what would you suggest on how they could do that more in their life? Well, I would suggest that there's a term in mathematics, vector, V-E-C-T-O-R, which means a direction with force. I would suggest that the happiest people I've ever met, and therefore, to a great extent, the most successful people I've ever met, right? Success not defined by fans, fame, or fortune. Success defined by your faith, your family, and your friends. I would suggest to you that those people are not auto-vectoral. Auto vector means me first, self-oriented. Being self-oriented is not that bad as long as it is enlightened self-interest. So enlightened self-interest said, you're interviewing me right now. It is important for me to give you the best interview I can because enlightened self-interest says, when I give you something that you like, you're better at it, you'll use it more often, People who will hear it will benefit from it. And I gained from that. I gained from that the satisfaction that together we did something important. The opposite of auto-vectoral, which is I, me, my, it's all about me, I win, you lose, is allo-vectoral, A-L-L-O-vectoral, which is outward direction. So I like win-win relationship. I want to win, but I want you to win too. And sports, of course, because you have one winner and one loser. But I don't mean it in that context. I mean it in relationships, let's say. I don't want to win if you lose. Because you'll never do business with me again. So I want you to win. And if together we can come to a partnership that allows each of us to win, we're going to do business again, again, again. And so the most successful people I know are people who are always asking the question, how can I bring value to every relationship? How can I serve you for it? What can I do for you? Amazing thing, Jesse, is that when you give, not when you give back, when you give, there's a measurable difference between giving back as if you owe the bank a loan and you have to give it back, right? That's a duty you have. But when you just give for the sake of giving, it's amazing. And the giving might be a smile. It might be an experience at a baseball park. It might be doing someone a favor, writing someone a reference letter. I love the words of William Barclay, the Scottish theologian who said, Always give without remembering. Always receive without forgetting. And the happiest people I've ever met, my heroes, my models, my mentors, live in that sphere. Mm, that's so amazing. I mean, we are speaking the same language, Dr. Hubane. On the back of our Fans First playbook that we share with our entire staff, our players, our coaches, it says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. I've and never heard that before, but that's lovely. Well, thank you. And it's all about giving. And you've given so much to us today. I mean, how to create wow, give more to others. You know, how to have fun, give more to others. All of this comes back in the giving mindset and purpose. And 
I can't thank you so much. Have you given us the books, the speeches? I've heard, listened to you for a long time. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today on Business Thunder. Yes, it's my privilege being with you. I celebrate you and congratulate you for all the success you're having, for all the wonderful experiences you're bringing to your fans, for the wonderful strategic planning that you're bringing to your team and to your organization. And may you always prosper in every way. It's a delight to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Now I just need to go back and go to High Point again. Switch it up a little bit. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> Thank a lot. You, Jesse. Appreciate you. Thank you, buddy. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.